anything we can do or I can do. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I think we got that thing fixed, at least for me, anyway. Check, check. check. All right, everybody. Good to see you. Thank you, Leonard. Way to go. Yes. Good stuff. Way to go, Jesus. Yes. Yes. I mean, just, this is. Goldilocks and the three bears. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, right. Original. Nice and awesome. Yeah, right. Right. Original. Yeah. <laughs> Powerful. Yes. Oh, man. All right, lots to get into today. Every, every week, I think I have a, or I think we have a, mm -hmm. a smaller text. God finds some way to just make it. Just explode it open. Yeah, yeah. yeah just, it just gets bigger and bigger as we keep going and growing and growing, and it's a good stuff. Uh, so, Father, thank you. Thank you that it is, it's good stuff because you're a good God and gave us, a, gave us the way. So thank you for all that you've provided. Um, um, as we see the apostles called today, we get to hear the same calling from the same, from the same mouth, the mouth of Jesus Christ to come and follow. And uh, I pray that you would enrich our legacies with that following of him and help us in our And help us uh, if we're just walking behind to begin to understand what it is to follow, to be a follower and not just a fan. Uh, so thank you. Thank you for everything today. Thank you for our pastor. Thank you for all of these who are here. Thank you for your church at FCC that you are building and building up as you bring people here, as you, as you gather us in and we go from together to belonging. Thank you for the word that accomplishes this and the spirit driving the word. Spirit, thank you. Pray that you would continue your work as we continue in your word. It's for the name, the strong name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen. <coughs> Have a perpetual cup. All right. All right, here we go. Uh, Luke 6. Uh, we, we, uh, we, we've, we've met a few of the disciples as we go along. Um, now we, get, we have the, the list gets fuller. Um, uh, our themes today are prayer, Jesus' choice, Jesus' call, apostles, and kingdom legacy. And there's more in the text. That's just what I see. Anytime I say stuff like this, this is just what I see. There's so much more in the text that, uh, that you might see in your personal reading and God might bring you deeper into. Uh, so let's, let's shovel up and dig deeper. <laughs> um, all right, the 12 apostles. In these days, this is still the beginning of Jesus' ministry. He went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. So I want to talk about uh, Jesus praying here and just prayer in general. Um, all right, so we'll notice that it, sa it doesn't just say that he prayed, uh, but he went somewhere. Uh, he was intentional about seclusion, about separating himself to God. Um, He's away from the towns, he's away from the people, away from society and other voices so that he can be in an audience with God alone. Um, isolation is when you're alone, yeah? Um, Jesus seeks isolation but is not isolated. He seeks a lonely place but is not alone. Um, he removes himself from man and removed to God. As Christians, uh, we keep the same divine company and would benefit and should practice that same intentional solitude. It's sheltering under God. It's refuging under God, as you hear the psalmist talk and see Jesus uh, doing here. Uh, we have access. So we have the same access because of Jesus, bought by Jesus. We have access to the Father by the Spirit through the Son because of the Son, because of the Spirit, because of God. Uh, the Father designed and sent. Jesus came and accomplished the Spirit has come after Jesus and applies all that Jesus did to us. I mean, the, 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 the prayer is uh, part of uh, the dance of sanctification, and it just becomes part of our life as breathing is part of our life. Um, and so I want to talk about prayer as, before we go too much further, kind of as a weapon here. And I don't, a weapon is something that tears down. Prayer is also something that builds up. But I want to, prayer is a weapon that obliterates actual loneliness um, for these reasons, that it shows dependence, because you're never alone when you're in prayer to God. Prayer itself is proof of that. It takes two to pray. It prays to someone. It's not, 
it's not meditation, because there's even atheists that pray, and it's, it's a form of meditation to them, but to us, we have the ear of God. Uh, prayer is a weapon against self-dependence or sinful independence and autonomy, assuring none, pray, none who pray are islands. Prayer announces dependence. Prayer is welcoming God, but God welcoming us. It's communion that all healthy relationships need, our relationship with God being no different. And um, all relationships, um, marriage being among the, port- the, mo- the most important, under the, the most important, um, are pointers to this reality. Right, for all these reasons and more, prayer is a bludgeon against the doubt that our enemy and flesh create that tell us that our Father is unloving, distant, and busy. Prayer, pro- prayer proves that he's not. Prayerlessness proves that we are. Uh, the command to unceasing prayer tells us that, uh, as First Thessalonians 5 says, uh, th- that he's an unceasingly available ready, willing, and capable. So we could probably make this list bigger and talk about this a lot longer, but uh, Proverbs 16.3 says, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. All right, so Jesus spent time bef- with God before, on the outset, because um, prayer is preemptive. It's, it's saying, it's, uh, I, w- I want your script, not mine. It's, it's saying, um, I lay my plans down that you might purify and bless them and my intentions in them uh, instead of saying, I did a bunch of stuff and I want you to bless all the stuff that I did. Uh, you can pray before, during, and after. Jesus does that through his ministry. We'll see that as the book of Luke goes forward. But he prays on the outset of his ministry. He prays here before choosing the disciples. So we should run our intentions and work through scripture so as to know the will of God as revealed by the word of God, good Ruths, and, and run uh, and submit those plans before God in prayer so that we might produce good fruits. Our prayers before, during, and after are different on the, the different things that we uh, pray about and the different things that we have before us to walk through. So when does he pray beginning of his ministry at his baptism in Luke 3.21? He prays throughout to refresh and recharge because he knows uh, better than any of us where his peace and strength come from. And so because of that, we know where it comes from too. Jesus' ministry is prayer bathed. Jesus' ministry is uh, preemptive and saturated and future-minded with prayer. Uh, So when does our prayer life heat up? Sometimes after the fact, a lot of the times, or when we're in the frying pan, so to speak. Um, And that's okay, that's a perfect place to pray too, but here we see prayer being preemptive, that God's inviting us to to ask for the grace. It's kind of like you have a, like a baby monitor. You know that you're going to go in and check on the baby regardless. Um, but God hears us and comes to us when we cry in the meantime. Um, Yeah. Where I almost like went blind, and then I come up here and I'm like, oh, it's not like I didn't even pray, but I got prayed up here. And it's like every time I've tried to do anything to minister to anybody mm-hmm. without praying first, it just seems like everything falls flat. Yeah. And it's sort of like God is saying, um, you know, I've called you to do this, but you have to invite me into the experience to show your dependence. Yeah. on me because I think he kind of like says okay <laughs> if you don't need me I'm, I'm right here yeah. Yeah. and I'll be doing some work over here but but it'll just be you yeah yeah and it's we've, I think we've uh, once, once, oh no you brought it back once we hear and kind of own that and uh, kind of taste it or uh, 
experience that enough? Like, would you, when the day gets ahead of you and, um, and all of a sudden it's far into the day and all, yeah, God, where was my prayer this morning? Or even, like, have you ever been praying? And all of a sudden it's a few hours later and you're like, where'd that prayer go? I was thinking, now I was like, I had to return that phone call. I had to pay this bill. I had to. Yeah. Joe. You know, you know, when I look back, when I look back at my life, I probably prayed and sometimes I prayed that I wanted it done now, but the answer is yes or no. But when I do look back, I saw, I see my prayers answered mm-hmm. and how he leads me even when I could have been killed. Yeah. Like uh, I, I, I cracked a stop sign or Elizabeth tells me, oh, there's cars, whoop, you know, I, what I'm, getting at though is when I look back my prayers are answered yeah and even when the fact I became born again and it's amazing how he kept me to that point mm-hmm. yeah to be a Christian yeah and so when I look back I can see the Lord working yeah you feel that acceptance and it triggers that prayer yeah. it gets you to yeah yeah thanks Joe um so do we struggle with prayer? <laughs> Probably. Yeah, yeah. I, when I, I started praying in an hour in the morning. Some, not some days, <coughs> but I find the day just goes good. I mean, um, yeah. and, and blessings come. And, and I, I relate a little bit to that, too, because there's been times I've been in the car and you know you don't see somebody and mm-hmm. it could have happened and of course I know someday something will happen because we can't stop it because that's only God that's it that's embedded in our life you know mm-hmm. whatever we don't know when something's going to happen but yeah if, you, if, if prayer you can. Yeah, it is. Um, kind of covers all your bases. I mean, it's that someone has said that um, prayer is that appointment in the morning where if you miss it, all other appointments become a little harder. Um, so, do you struggle with prayer? And I want to ask that, and I want to say that's fine because um, just don't stop struggling with prayer. The struggling is good. God anticipates it. Actually, if you read Romans eight. When we don't know what to pray, the spirit kind of hears our groanings and what we can't express with words. It's, 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 he translated kind of like that auto-tune that you hear on the radio sometimes and makes it sound pleasing to God, but also translate those groanings that we can't express because we're hitting ceilings all the time. And the spirit takes, he can say what we mean. Like, Lord, this is what, it's, 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 it's a beautiful thing to know that God is helping you pray to God. Um, so the struggling isn't bad the stopping is bad because I fully believe that silence kills more than struggling even in marriages I mean um, fighting is actually not so bad of a thing I wish we could get into that maybe someday but uh, but silence kills more relationships than fighting does um, and we have a good father you know, good fathers want, want and desire to hear from their children. So silence kills more than fighting. He wants to hear us, invites us to. It's, it's a, well, let's, let's keep going. All right, but now, see, this is where we see Jesus doing things, and this is where we get so much teaching, just from this little verse. Um, so do you know what Jesus is doing now? He's not silent. Like, I mean, do you know what Jesus is doing now? We know what Jesus is doing here, but like right now as he lives and breathes on, what's today, the 27th? 28th? What is today? Okay, Sunday. Okay, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so right now, this very moment, in real time, he's not silent. He's actually praying for us. That's what he's doing for his saints. Uh, like he stands and he, he's the intercessor between his people, the book of Hebrews tells us. He's the mediator. So think of a lawyer. Uh, 
you have the devil on one side and you got Jesus on the other and you have uh, and Jesus is that mediator between you and the judge and and so your persecutor is saying rich did a b and c and Jesus stands up and says uh, he did do a for sure but I covered him there b and c absolutely not I object so he's actively doing that with our lives right now that's a really comforting thing. He's standing in the gap between God and man, and he's pleading our case for us. And we have one mediator between God and man, man Jesus Christ. Joe. When you mentioned that we're children of God, it reminds me we never arrive, we never get mature. He's always calling us children because we yeah. we screw up. Yes, we do. <laughs> you know? And Amen. that's what children do. Yeah. And so yeah. Yeah, he, because he's such a good father and we're so covered with grace, uh, Matt Chandler said that uh, like when, you're, when you have a newborn you, and, and you're the father and they're starting this walk or starting this step and they fall down, you don't discipline them, you celebrate the steps. That's what our God does. So keep struggling with your prayers. And if you don't know what to pray, and the best, Matt Chandler again, um, he said, pray what you got. And even that's a prayer, Father, I don't know what to say. That's a prayer. Uh, you're thanking him. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. He's, he's, he's worthy of that and he's welcoming of it. He, he knows the struggle that we have to pray. We don't, even if we're praying on the top of our praying game, you know, varsity level or uh, Tom Brady level, it's still insufficient. And so, praise him that he hears us at our best and our worst and our stuttering and our speaking. Um, the, apostles, the apostles were those uh, we're about to meet who teach out of their calling and relationship with Christ that we're to live lives of prayers. Paul says pray without ceasing. That's like a, it's a way of life. It's, a life. It's, it's within your lifestyle now. It came within the gift of salvation. They're packed in. And and I'm convinced uh, that we need no bells and whistles attached to our faith. If we, uh, if we just had a high view of Christ, okay, first of all, and we had a high view of Scripture and a higher view of prayer, we wouldn't need all the other bells and whistles that we attach to our faith. Our faith. Uh, devotional this, devotional that. I think those devotionals are a way that we actually hide from God so as not to live devotionally. We can hide from God within devotions so as not to live devotionally. I've done that. I've, uh, um, but if you just have a high view of Jesus, this is all we need to be an effective people for Jesus. And you won't need anything else. And so we see the importance of prayer here. And not just prayer, but he was out all night for this. As Leonard mentioned, this is the only time in the Gospels where it says he was out all night. And so you, so you, you ask why. He's about to choose those who are going to carry the message of the Gospel forward. He's prepping the future of Christianity here. By his choosing the disciples in this text right here, that message has come all the way to us here and now. It just didn't stay isolated with Jesus. He wasn't just some open-air preacher. Think about this. The gospel is God's saving message, powerful and perfect, and he's entrusted it to imperfect and weak people. Shows you how powerful he is. Shows you how dependent we are. No disciple operated in and of themselves. Not after they met Christ. And I know you're probably thinking of Judas, but was he really a disciple in his heart? Um, so God's people are God-driven vehicles. Like, I can breathe in that because it's not about me having to be strong or perform or have ability beyond what I, you know, to accomplish. God's go by God's grace, he's going to accomplish his own mission. It's like, so I, so I can say to myself and breathe when I'm stressed about any minister, ministry thing, I don't have to carry this all by myself. Responsible for what I'm responsible for, but he holds all things.
And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them the twelve. So if you want to read about the calling and choosing, we could pause there for a while, but you can go to John 6. He chooses them, or he chose them, he called them. That's his effectual call. And it's through them and their message that has worked throughout time to come all the way to us. Whom he named apostles. And we, an apostle, um, an apostle is one, like a big A apostle. That doesn't sound good. Uh, is one who has directly seen Jesus, was commissioned by Jesus, and sent by Jesus. That's what an apostle is. Like every, every apostle is a disciple, but not every disciple is an apostle. These men are unique. There are, Paul was the last one you can read about in 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, there are no more big A apostles. Um, Paul had his direct calling. You can go read Acts, uh, where he sees and is commissioned by and goes out. Um, and so you have these men who he named apostles. You have Simon, whom he named Peter. Now, I wanted to, for this, I wanted to just like do a meet and greet with each individual apostle. I read this book a while ago called uh, After Acts, and it goes into everything where they fall out of Scripture, where church history picks up, and then we get to see their story continue. And it, was, it was a fascinating book, but like what I found is there's so much uh, legend and myth around the men of the, uh, the around these uh, 12 that went out, 11, and that in the history is so convoluted. We have a lot of history on Simon, or, uh, Simon Peter, Peter and John mostly. Those are our most authoritative accounts. Um, and we know that they lived life of faithfulness. We know that from their stories that they were uh, pretty faithless at some points throughout Scripture, uh, especially Peter. I love Peter's story. Peter's story tells us all about the patience of God <laughs> and the long-suffering of God and the grace and mercy of God. So I, I love that there's a lot about him in there, but there's not a lot about, like, Alf. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Philip, there's, there's four Philips in the New Testament. I, think. I might be wrong about that. There's a bunch of Philips in the New Testament. And so they oftentimes get confused. Uh, and so church history picks up around church tradition, and it's so convoluted with folklore and myth and, and then... But like, and, you know, there's fabricated accounts from people who kind of glorified the man of God, but all of their stories say that they glorified God. And so like, that's, how, that's like a pointer as to uh, what we can believe or not. Bartholomew, um, Andrew, like we know a lot about a few of these guys and very little that we can rest in confidence on about like half these guys. But we know that all we need to about them, their message they saw Christ, they preached his message, they went out, and all of them, they, they had lives where one day they were going along, and there was a cross section where God had met them. They started following him, and then they were called into a higher level, and now they start representing him. Um, that's different. That's, some of these were normal Jills and Joes, and um, some, they were all, just, it's, it's a unique story, and I wish I could go into the history behind it, because they do have a fascinating story, but uh, like Matthew, who we, le- who we met last week, tax collector, uh, who extorted the people, now continues to minister to Bible readers today with the gospel that bears his name. Um, uh, he would write down, as a tax collector, perhaps false statements so that he could scrape his t- cut off the top. But then God commissions him, and the hand that did that now writes the Gospel of Matthew, which was, the Gospel of Matthew was probably the blockbuster book in the New Testament in the early church. Um, and he was used for that, and he gets the privilege of ending 400 years of silence So as, as a, between the Testaments. His story also tells us that, uh, I mean, some will be offended by this, but others will be greatly relieved and have great hope that Matthew's Matthew's story tells us that uh, Jesus is a friend of sinners, and we qualify. Uh, And Thomas, the doubter, James, son of Alphaeus, that's Thaddeus, probably, and in the other books you'll see 
little variant there. And Simon, who was called the Zealot, Zealot, that's one, uh, zeal, that's passion. This would have been a, he would have been a revolutionary, think like Barabbas, like uh, who the people chose over Jesus. Um, like this is the kind of guy who stormed the Capitol. He would have been in that crowd. Resistance. That's he would have really not liked Matthew, right? All right, so because of Jesus, these people and expert sinners can have legacies. And that's the offer on this table is we can have a legacy too. Jesus is the new main character in every born a Christian, every born again Christian story. It no longer, it, we we don't have to be our main character anymore, and we don't. And once he becomes that main character, we don't want to. That desire shifts; it changes. It's a supernatural thing that happens. There's a flip that he switches. Um, and as much. It's through them that we believe in the message received from Jesus, which you and I are recipients of today. Um, but none of that is true for Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. As much as he witnessed and saw, he never beheld. As much as he heard, he never listened. As much as he saw freely given, he took secretly. As much as he was with, among, and together, he never followed, he never belonged. These are those that dropped everything because they found everything in someone. They found someone better than anything, better than everything. So everything else in the moment they beheld Jesus was made secondary, optional, disposable, or vile to them in sight of the reality of Christ's surpassing worth. And they, they took on lives that show it and, shows, and they show the heart abandoned to the world and self, to Christ. Abandoned to the world, abandoned to Christ. Uh, because the true gospel is one of self-denial. It's not one of self-fulfillment. Uh, so which one of the disciples heard the gospel as a call to self-fulfillment? Judas. A covert thief, betrayer, full of self-interest. Jesus is my rabbi. Jesus is my provider. Jesus is my friend. But I'm my Lord. Much of the time, I relate to Judas the most. John verse 16, where it mentions the two Judases. Yes. Uh, the other one is Jude, right? The apostle? The second, the other Judas? Yes, um, but not the Jude that writes the book of Jude. Oh, it isn't? Okay. No, that, I, we, that is probably another brother of, with, of Jesus. That, that, that Jude is. Uh, and that verifies with scripture. When scripture mentions, it mentions a few of his brothers, his, his, his uh, Mary and Joseph brothers and sisters, and, and it lines up that, that that Jude is, it's probably him. Kind of like how James is the brother of Jesus, writing James, same with Jude. It's probably him. Rich? Yeah. Uh, when you mentioned about the apostles, mm -hmm. they all had their own personality. They had one common goal, and it was Jesus Christ as Lord. Nobody was trying to be like Paul, or somebody was trying to be like Peter. You know, Peter was bold and all that. Yeah. We have our own personality, and we have in the scriptures called the gift of helps. Mm -hmm. Right, Leonard? Mm -hmm. And I was wondering how many gifts there are. Is there 11 or 12 of them, or just not? But anyways, everybody has their own gift, and I think the apostles also had their own gift. But I know only like Peter, James, John, Paul, they seem to be the ones that are focused more in the epistles. But we, like you said, about Andrew, Bartholomew and all them, they were active. They probably were going around all over the world, for that matter, okay. planting churches. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? So yeah, according to church history. The other ones are like faded. We don't know much about them, and I like like what you said in the beginning about yeah they were all under the instructions of Christ and then the Holy Spirit comes and the Holy Spirit's the one that reminds them 
of the teachings of Christ. And I thought yeah. that was good. But what have you been saying? But, um, yeah, they, they definitely, they, Christianity spread out. And we just from church history, like Matthew, we think he went to eat, got as far as Ethiopia. One of the James, James the Greater, I think, made it all the way to Spain because there's church and evidence there that he was there, churches that are still named after him there. Uh, Bartholomew gets all the way to the Middle East, so Iran, Iraq area, um, and on and on. They, they, you look at a map, and they just spread out in every direction. And some of them say kind of localized. One of the uh, James, maybe it's James the Third. I don't remember right now. Um, he's, he stays as he's, uh, Acts calls him like the Bishop of Jerusalem. But yeah, there's people that stay, there's people that go. And the message of Christ spreads. Yeah, but for all these reasons in Judas, that's why I always I always really wanted to think I relate to John the most, of course, because, I don't know, I love John. But sometimes I relate to Judas the most because Jesus is my means at times, and I love my autonomy every bit as much as he did. I'm no better than him. I've just been shown grace. Sometimes I can sculpt in a joyless march behind Jesus at times, the same as him. And I'm every bit the hypocrite that the Pharisees, the Pharisees are, the betrayer that Judas is, the denier that Peter was, the zealot that Simon was, the extortionist that Matthew was, the doubter that Thomas was, the angry man that John and James were, sons of thunder that Scripture calls them. But Jesus is every bit the perfect Savior from all of that that we need. And so there's a fight that happens every day. Because these are the things, and this is where your prayer life, maybe your first prayer of the day is to say, Jesus, I'm not going to love you as I ought in and of myself. I'm not you, and that's why I need you. Something around those means. And then you begin the day. You've established it as you are Lord, I am not try to live by the faith he's given you and what he's spoken to you by the by the spirit that he's given you because of the salvation he's 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 given you that you can have hope in and that gets you through the day and like i said earlier i'm gonna skip a part here because um all of these disciples they they died bad except for john but john i think had it the worst uh I don't want to talk about that for just a moment. Uh, John, John is different. All right, so Peter, according to church history, and it, we got it on a pretty good account, he, he, was, he was tried before Nero himself. And Nero, bad news. We could talk about Nero for a while. Uh, he was called the beast. Um, horrid guy. Um, he wanted to build this temple in the middle of Rome, but there was already a bunch of buildings there. And so what he did was secretly, um, according to history, he burnt his own. He burnt Rome down to clear space for this, and blamed it on the Christians. Peter then has to appear before him and take the blame for this. Peter then is um, sentenced, as Jesus said he would be at the end of the Gospel of John, and he, and he's crucified. Some some say that he's. Uh, he was even crucified next to his wife, and they were both crucified naked, that they were mutilated uh, during the cross and on the way to the cross. But one thing that we have on pretty good authority, yes, he was crucified upside down, and the legend goes that he didn't see his, his death as being worthy of like that of Christ Jesus. Uh, and so he was crucified upside down to show the, the inversion of um, the human condition. Um, that's how his legend goes, at least. Uh, and other, others, they all died bad. But John, and John, as I said, I think he had it the worst because he was made to drink poison. I, for, I forget who it, he, he had. He was he, they forced him to drink poison, and he survived. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever had food poisoning. The life, <laughs> that existence while you have it, I think I would given the choice between food poisoning and a small bullet, I would probably choose the small bullet um, in a non-consequential part of the body. <laughs> uh, 
but he had to live the rest of his life like that. He was also boiled alive in oil, it says. So the next time you eat French fries, think of that. Don't, that's gross, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, they, they, they deep fried him. And he survived. So imagine the life after that. And he makes it to an old age uh, when he writes his gospel and epistles and when he receives the book of Revelation. So they couldn't kill him. And Jesus actually promises that at the end of his gospel. Uh, if I want to keep this, when he's talking to Peter about his death, you're going to die bad, but if I want to keep this one alive until I come, what is that to you? And we see that in John. And he's at, he, he dies of just old age natural causes, as far as we know, on the island of Patmos. They had to put him there because they couldn't kill him if they isolate his message, but that's where he gets the book of Revelation, so that didn't work out for him, did it? Um, And so I want to talk about that because um, if we become as faithful as we're as it seems we're gearing up to be, we're going to take some heat for it. Um, and G- and we're, Jesus is going to tell us next week as we enter into the Sermon on the Plain, blessed are those who persecute for his name's sake. Because um, it kind of blows a hole. That the, the, their lives abandoned and how they died bad and how they just lived abandoned and, 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 and how we tend to live in Western culture and thank God for Western, Western culture but um, that we get to be as comfortable as we are. But say all that changes. Um, we're to count it as great joy when you're persecuted. Your treasure in heaven is growing so I just want to, kind of a call to endurance I guess is what I'm saying. Blessed are you when they revile you because of me and say all kinds of things and exclude you and say all kinds of things about you because of Jesus. Not when they say all these things about you because of you. Yeah, deal with that stuff. But like, because of Jesus. So even if the horizon looked great, we still need to prep ourselves for this because we never know what's going to come. They lived for Christ and they died bad for him, but they got everything. It was worth it. Like James and John, uh, Jane, uh, Peter and John in the book of Acts, they go home rejoicing after they got beaten because God counted them worthy to suffer for the name. And the one who suffered most misses our strength when we're suffering because of persecution. And anyway, because they hated me, they will also hate you. But take heart, for I have overcome. He suffered more than any of us ever will. And I want to just say, just to close, about legacy. These were real men, and we need real men. We have enough guys. We have enough males. We need biblically serious men. Your wife, your kids, your church, your society needs you. So look at these men. Because these men looked at the perfect man. So I, I want you to just take your eyes and look at the, if you want to know what, what, a, what a man is, it's a man, it's, it doesn't matter if he collects, you know, garden stamps or something like that, or if he like sets up little tanks and, or if he goes to war or if he likes to garden, it doesn't matter because he loved Jesus. Tell your daughters what they need in a man is the two J's, Jesus and job. Outside of that, you have a lot if you have those two things. Because these men got legacies that we are benefiting from today. And if we live like that, men or women, but especially a call to men, um, then our families will benefit from that kind of legacy too. Christ will be in your home. And he came down with them and stood on a level place. The truth of God puts us all on level ground. All of us are in the same position, needing still. We have the same need. We get to listen. So when he came down, and he stood with them. So he chose them 
the, uh, Christianity was already something. His ministry was already doing things. And we'll, we'll close out here in, a, in just a few minutes. Um, his, his ministry was already something. People were coming to him. People were following him. But now people are taking on him and representing him. Christianity isn't just spreading. It's forming and growing. Jesus is accomplishing his mission. And with a great crowd of his disciples and a great magnitude of people from Judah, excuse me, Jerusalem and the seacoast of Tyre and Sodom, these are Gentiles. Even this is making a splash in more than just the Jewish world. Thank God. Who came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all of the crowd sought to touch him for power came out from him and healed them all. There is no thing that Jesus isn't the perfect remedy for. Following him. Well, what other option do we have? He alone has the words of life. And he alone is the way, the truth, and the life. No one apart. There's no other name given under heaven. This is the only place we have to go. We have Jesus or the world. It's as simple as that. So church, beloved, beloved of the Lord, saint, sinner, woman, child, guys, and men, we need this man. You, you want to know how to be a man? Look at the perfect one. Give him your sin. He'll give you his righteousness, the clothes that you need before God. Give him your life because he's already given you his. Like he doesn't know us anything. He doesn't owe us anything. He's already given us everything. And he'll give you eternal life. John 1.12 says, But all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. It's a given thing. And so this week, I mean, up to now in, the, in this Gospel of Luke, we've, we've heard Jesus say a few things. And like Leonard said today, the apostles just kind of watched and observed throughout Jesus' ministry. They did stuff. They weren't just, you know, hanging out. But a lot of their um, presence in the scriptures is just them with Jesus. So by the time he goes, all that withness shows as they put it in action. In the book of Acts. And so we're going to hear what they heard next week because up till now we've just, we've seen a lot of encounters with specific people where we haven't heard him specifically teach a whole lot. But next week we're going to hear him as we go into Easter. And essentially next week he gets to preach the sermon. This is the Sermon on the Plain. He went to a level place, kind of like the Sermon on the Mount. It's a different, he would have been teaching in different places, a lot of the same thing. It's not like they videotaped him and showed it at the synagogue. And verse 20 starts what we're going to talk about next week. And, and he lifted his eyes to, and he lifted his eyes on his disciples and said. You have to come next week to hear what he says. So Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for what you're accomplishing. Thank you for what you accomplished. When you set your mind to do something, you accomplished it 100%. There is no stopping you. And you will reach the fruition of your plans. And that's great news for us because our your plans, our lives are laid up in them. You plan good things for us. You are preparing us. May we be those who are used. Christianity is not a spectator sport. We have to get on the field at some point. So help us to be full of you as we do it, full of the power of the Holy Spirit, taking fears and hesitations away. And where those things are in us, you're helping us and you're understanding us in those. So thank you. We're able to breathe because of the magnitude of your power and presence in us. And we're able to serve because we have this great example of you, but also, again, your power and your presence in us. Thank you for all that you accomplished. Thank you that through weak hands and and impotent people you accomplish your will the will of God is accomplished and the strength of God is seen in the omniscience omnipotence and your just completeness your holiness is worked out it's amazing that you use who else has the power to turn rebels and use them for the cause of the kingdom which they rebelled against before 
you're powerful to do that. And you're good. It's a wonderful thing. Help us to see you and savor you and open our mouths and our lives for you. To live relationally. It's hard for a lot of us, myself included. We thank you for your amazing grace through all of our lives as we live your life. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Anybody have anything? Yeah. He's talking about <coughs> Jesus sitting with uh, sinners and tax collectors. Mm -hmm. uh, is it right that, uh, let's see if I say this right, if you're sick, you need a physician. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're sick, so that's why he sits with them. Yeah, to. Why should people be upset about that? I mean, well, a lot of them. To change and believe in Yeah. Well, those who are knowledgeable, who have the knowledge of their illness, their condition, um, they, they very much want this doctor and joyful and excited and intentional about sitting down. But those who don't want to admit they're sick, take very much offense to, to that message. Um, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the most offensive thing on the planet because it tells us that we're sinners and we have to own things that are impossible to own. Um, and we give ourselves a lot of credit that God doesn't. And so when we're coming, we're, we receive our diagnosis of sinner before God, there's some kickback that happens. You see that in the Pharisees. Um, I see it in my life. From other sinners. That, yeah. yeah. But that. those who received the remedy, the cure of Jesus Christ, are all the more willing to sit with him because they know their need for him. Yeah. I just had a comment about, um, you know, it speaks so much about children and all the word children and the importance of teaching the children. Yeah. Um, I it, I just see a big need for young families. You know. Yeah. You're you know you have two young children. Mm -hmm. You you know they're the most important thing in your life other than God, and you'll do whatever it takes to raise them right. But it's sad how the majority of young people. The most important thing for in their job is to raise them to, to you know, to know Jesus. Mm -hmm. But for some reason in this generation, everything else is becoming more important. You know, sports on Sundays, soccer, you know, everything else. Their job to well, I have to make money for my family, you know, yeah. because I've gotten way in debt. So now I have to do this. But they are leaving out the most important role that they should be taking as a parent. And somehow, as a church, we need to reach out to that generation where it's going to be lost. I mean, because we're going to die out. We need to be reaching out to more to 20-year-olds, you know, people that have the babies, to make them realize that... You love your children, but the best thing you can do is to train them up in the Lord. Yeah. So, as a church, you know, we have this mission, but somehow, I think we need to come together and think, what can we do to do this job? Mm -hmm. How can we start bringing these young people in here? Yeah, they're, they're, they're Christianity... Jesus, he's one who reaches out. His people are those who go out and reach out. Yeah. There's an there's outward, outward, this happens. It's a living box. All these kids, you know, their parents have this dream that mine's going to get into the big leagues, into the, you know, how many kids do they, oh, you got to do this, you got to do, you know, practice, practice, practice. You know, they want that for them. Yeah, the, 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 the parents. They will love on the our, on our way to church today, I thought about that when I passed the Seven Plex. It 
It was full. Yeah. And there's these parents who are thinking they My would kids dream of raise us. Yeah. They wouldn't dream of coming here. They're no. the adult. They're the adult at this point. They're there. They think their kids are going to raise them to be a well, superstar. For people, is their mindset. It is. You know, and somehow we have and to. And don't mean any harm. They just, they don't no, but for some reason, this is just not important. You know, somehow we have to get it into these yeah. young parents' heads what the yes. most important thing is. So I don't know if we can do, you know, we have this big yard, in, in a, you know, beside us. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if we could, as a church, have like a big tent revival of having some speakers come in, Christian young men, you know, like yourself. Yeah. To try to get, try to make younger parents and men, especially, interested, and to hear some other guys talk. I know they have the the one at the Cabelli Center, whatever they have those, yeah. but just a more down to earth for a smaller community that that probably most of those guys will not would not go to that, but something that would appeal to them as young fathers or and mothers. Mm -hmm. And just have some speakers and have, you know, some things like that. Just, I mean, to try something like that. Yeah. Well, as we saw today, prayer is preemptive. So let's start with prayer um, and pray for that very thing. Pray for men with Bibles. Um, you, talk, you, you said revival. Um, I, we're in the midst of a revival, aren't we? As a church right now. I, I would like to believe that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, one of the. <laughs> I, I, I know that, um, that the need is definitely there. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of the things that is our next move is, you know, looking at hiring somebody, you know, mm -hmm. work directly with kids. But obviously, it's got to be a church wide initiative. Mm -hmm. So um, keep the ideas coming and keep praying. Yeah. You know, Rob, Rob was here yesterday cleaning up around outside some, and he said that there were a couple cars with um, a couple dads had their kids mm -hmm. playing on the playground, which that's what it's here for, mm -hmm. the community. Um, but he could hear the dads yeah. right in front of their children. Yeah, I, I was on the playground yesterday as well, and I heard some dads. You know, it's like... You're in a church parking lot at a church facility. Young ears hear everything. Yeah. You know, and they love their kids. Yeah. But you know, somehow it's like they're, they're missing it. But we're that's what our children well, are for. for the things that we do. It's, yeah. And they I won't mean, have it until. Yeah, that's what our church is here. We have to start. We have to do something. Yeah. What's happening here and part of the intention behind this very thing, behind the roof, why we chose to do it is we're, we don't want to build the church up with just people in the church. We want to have the people who right. are built. Yeah. And so when you hear this and you, 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 you hear of Jesus, you see him, you encounter him, you behold, look at the effect that that very thing has on all, everybody in this book who encounter him. Now go be that in the community because that's the kind of church, that's their kind of Bible that brings about, or that's the kind of event that brings about the revival that we're hungry for. Um, so now from doing this, we don't just have a Bible in church. You're taught the Bible, it moves into you. And now there's, however many of us are in here, many Bibles walking around with the message that brings people here. It's, it's something we'll, we'll, we'll dig deeper into. Um, how the church interacts with the culture, called missiology. Uh, the more we go through this, the more we're trained up, the more we're sharpened for what we need to be for. I just kind of comment on, on what, I, what I'm aware of. People are kind of studying this. Basically, the big, the big issue now <laughs> is for people like those that we saw on the playground, and I see, you know, quite a bit. God's not real. God's not real to them. It doesn't mean anything. Yeah. He, that, that's their take on it. What, 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 
what, who is God and, and what, 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 what can he do for me? And for a lot of people, he's just not real. Yeah. Um, and we've got science and technology to answer many, many of the problems that you know, were involved in what Jesus encountered, you know, um, schools for education, all that stuff. But what you find is these things are not the end-all be-all, and they've got serious problems. And that's just one way that we can say, yeah, but God is real, and these things do not save, and they have, they have their own shortcomings. Um, and, and we've got to, and when we, when we keep our attention fixed on the Lord, mm-hmm. he becomes real to us. Because yeah. I think in a lot of ways, he's not real to Christians. Amen. Amen. You know, and, that, and that's where we've got to, we've got to redouble, or we've got to rethink how it is that we are relating to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're kind of coming out of a 50-year haze of just doing church, but it's not really meaningful in any, in any, in any real-world way. <clears throat> the two areas that <clears throat> they say young people and fam- young families, where, where they meet God and he's real, is with stress and anxiety. Those two things are where they're asking huge questions. So that that's what I know about that question. But obviously, we need to lean into it. Yeah, we've, we've mentioned grief before. It, year, years ago, the, the Bible was taught in schools, and that was one of the subjects. But as you know, we're we're you know, as a constitution, you know, we're you know they they say we should keep going by the constitution. The constitution. Had the Bible as part of their mm-hmm. curriculum, you know that's what they were taught. But you know, we take away and take away from really what the Constitution was based on. Mm-hmm. And so they took it, you know, prayer out the schools. They, you know, say the Pledge of Allegiance, everything. The Bible mm-hmm. can't even talk about it. Teachers be reprimanded if they brought Jesus up in Christmas and what all that means yeah. anymore. Yeah. But so they did take it away from the people. But it's not, and, and you know, and I, I think that's horrible that they've done that. But it's the responsibility of the parents to teach their children. Amen. And, and they're not doing that. God doesn't hardwire the government for yeah. what his church is supposed to do. Right. And God, the Bible, it believes in strong male headship. And so we need men. We do. I mean, if it worked for, you know, so where's children supposed to get it when they hear their dad saying yeah, these we were, words? Leonard and I were talking about this. Right. Yeah. If they don't have a grandmother or an aunt or a friend or somebody, there's just generation after generation that never even, they don't even know. Mm-hmm. Well, that's where our, I feel our part comes in is we need to, to say like those men that were out there, take the step forward to get to talk with them just to talk with them and find out if you listen enough you find out where all this is coming from but we have to take the first step with Christ first and then get to know that person and we realize that they're lost but then the Lord the Spirit will place something in there for you, maybe that will come up that you can say something to them through the through the spirit's way, not you say, "Oh, well, you need to come to church," but gives us the ability to interconnect with them to find out where they're coming from. Until right. we realize where they're coming from, when I can realize that where I had come from, mm-hmm. then that gives me the ability to to understand and have compassion and 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 just pray about it but let the lord let the spirit lead you maybe maybe just just to talk to them just just to have that first connection then pray about it and then the lord will will lead but we have to have take the first step and have compassion for those people that are lost and and give our testimony if it comes to be right. where we can give our testimony. But I mean, but we can have any, we can hire youth leaders, we can have 
whole handful of people. We can have a facility that's so beautiful, these kids. But if you don't have the parents that have the commitment to bring them, how are they gonna get here? We can have all the events and all the bells and whistles yeah. and all the, but if we don't you have the gospel, the parents. if we don't have the gospel, then our parents don't have anything to raise their children yeah. with. They, they, they'll, they'll, as Paul Tripp says, they'll, they'll raise their children as owners of their children and not ambassadors uh, of God to their children, to their children. Christ had the compassion yeah. to step sometimes down to their level in order to be able to draw them. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, 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 that's the kind of grace that moves us into conversations with maybe abusive toned fathers on the playground. I, I encountered a few of those yesterday. I took, my, I took my kid and there's this dad yelling at his son there saying, you will obey me. Uh, he did not understand his child. Well, it, some, it, sometimes maybe all that's the, the best he can do. Yeah, uh, is is just pray. Yeah. You know, we might not have an answer like right now. Yeah. But just pray about it. You know, and uh, yeah, pr- pr- prayer. Uh, and then maybe the Lord will lead another time where, mm-hmm. you know, you. I just want to add, just hearing everything, being in a place where, you know, I was lonely. Praise the Lord that those men felt comfortable enough to come to a church playground for their mm-hmm. children to play. Yeah. What a blessing that is for them to even feel that comfort. Maybe we, you know, heard some things that, you know, mm-hmm. made us feel uncomfortable. But praise the Lord that those men had the compassion to bring those kids here to a mm-hmm. church playground to play. Yeah. That's the first step. Yeah, I mean, a, a, a gospel-driven, faithful church is a messy one. Yes. So I, I want, I want some so rough forth. edges. If we don't have rough edges, then the, we're not. We're not. Yeah, we're not, it's not, not about reaching the right people. Yeah, Jesus didn't. You know, as it's said before, Jesus didn't come to make bad people good, immoral people moral. He came to make dead people live. And so, I want the guy who slips up when he's telling his testimony out there to so the cuss. I like that guy. Culture is very subtle, and we're taught that if we have our children do football on Sunday and basketball and all the other activities, and that's when they're free, we think we're good parents. And the whole bottom line is we don't become legalistic. Once the church becomes legalistic, we think we're good people. But it's the grace of God that saves us. And no matter what we do, we're still not good people. Mm-hmm. It's only by the grace of God that imputed that righteousness mm-hmm. into us. But the culture is very subtle, and everybody's being good on Sunday by, like what you say, you know, we take our children into the playground and, we, you know, whatever. And the culture says that's what you should do, and that's what makes you a good parent. Well, we're Christians, and we realize differently. We're not legalistic, but we know that we're always just saved by grace. And it's not, they think they're good people, though, you know, raising their children the way they do. And they're, they're, maybe they're blinded. They, they do good things. You know, they're, you know, they're loving and, their children, making sports, and trying to yeah. make, build their children and all that. But, um, yeah. Anyway. That's values and priorities are a little jostled until Jesus comes and writes them. of those people at church that said that. 
And I know we're all sinners here. We're, we're no better than people that's out there. Uh, well, I'm not cutting people down that parents aren't. Um, but I'm just saying I appreciate what Leonard said, that we're more at fault as a Christian acting that way to some, you know, to one that's not, they think that they're not as good of a Christian as that person is. You know, that and we've caused them to yeah. fall. Where, and I know we, like Leonard said, we, we have a long ways to go. Um, and the, I think our church has been through a lot over the last five years. Um, but I hope we're in the right direction that we all can step back and see the mistakes we've made and grow. Yeah. We're always, you know, one decision can go in the wrong direction in any given matter. Uh, but Jesus is center stage in everything. He's pulling in the reins of all things. And uh, I think we'll see more fruit and more fruit the further we go into this gospel and out front because of it. Good stuff. Yeah. See you Friday.